Well, good morning, and welcome to Robert Stafford Baptist Church. This is the day the Lord has made. We should rejoice and be glad in it. Blessed be the name of the Lord, and we are so glad to see you here this morning. If you're visiting with us, we want to welcome you. Ask you to take the time to fill out the little visitor card you will find in front of you, place in the offering place to come around so we can have a record of your visit. We would greatly appreciate that. In the meantime, let me just inform you of a little bit of what's going on at Robert Stafford Baptist Church. Well, as you may know, today, following the services, we're going to have ice cream social for our kids and back to school children's party there. But a lot of you're invited. Let me tell you right now, come and eat some ice cream with us. It's not just for kids. It's for all of us. Come and help me eat that ice cream because I can't eat it all. Somebody say amen. Come and help me do that. So, <laughs> and it's going to be from 4 to 6. And we'll go right from 6, right in here to uh, Sunday night worship service. I want to remind everyone of choir practice today at 4.30. That will still be happening. And so if you can swing over from Ice Cream Social to choir practice, and my brother Robert would appreciate that. I've also been asked to remind the church that we will begin practicing for our Christmas cantata on August 15th. And that will be taking place in our evening on Sunday nights at 4.30. So August 15th, we'll begin our Christmas cantata practice. So if you're interested in that, so August 15th will be right there in that. All right. I also want to tell you guys that we are having an Operation Christmas Child Fundraiser coming up July 30th uh, from 5 to 7. That's our fajita fundraiser. And so if you're interested in getting some of those fajitas, uh, you need to get with Sister Esther or get with Monica. Get your ticket uh, because it is a fundraiser and come and be a part of that. It's going to be beef and chicken fajitas, and we want to have you there, and we need your help in funding that. That goes to help uh, our shipping costs for Operation Christmas Child. Also coming up on Saturday, July 31st, OCC will have a crafting day. That will be 9 to 4 in the Fellowship Hall. So some things to keep in mind there uh, and some things that are happening. Uh, with that being said, I do want to remind everybody next week we'll be uh, observing the Lord's Supper. So come prepare for that. Use this week to get your heart, your soul, and your spirit ready for what Jesus would have you do in our Lord's Supper service. All right. With that being said, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And as we pray together, would you please and, uh, rise and welcome your neighbor immediately next to you. Let's pray together. Father, come to you now in Jesus' name. I want to thank you for the opportunity to be in your house this morning. Would you bless us and fill us with your Holy Spirit? Would you touch us with your goodness? And I pray, Father, that there be anybody this morning who needs to come to know you as personal Lord and Savior. Or anybody, Father God, who needs to get their heart right with you, would you let today be the day? Would you bless us and fill us with your Spirit? And would you anoint us, Lord? And would you let us work with you in Jesus' Spirit this morning? So in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Y'all, please rise and welcome one another.
back to your seats. Let's all stand up. We're going to start this service off by singing, Be Set Me Free.
Now, I don't trust those people to be behind me, so I'm not starting until they're gone. It's a Baptist church after all, you know. <laughs> oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. If you have your Bibles with you, would you please turn with me to the book of Acts. We're not going to stay there, though. We're going to jump around quite a bit this morning. So I hope you'll enjoy this journey with me, and I hope you'll enjoy the message. And it's my prayer that if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, that today would be the day you come to know Him. That you give your heart to Him in a real and personal relationship. And if you get born again, you get saved, you get on fire with the Holy Ghost today. That's my prayer. So you might be sitting there saying, are you asking me, Pastor? Let me tell you right now, I am. Amen. I'm coming after you. So I want you to know my Jesus. On the other hand, you might be sitting there saying, Pastor, I know Jesus. But I am down in the dumps. I'm hurting. I want you to know this message is for you too this morning. I want you to know that our God knows how to fix the hurt. No medicine can fix. Amen. He knows how to change a heart. He knows how to rearrange a soul. He knows how to pick somebody up and put them back on the path of righteousness. Or excuse me, saint. And the title of this morning's message is Out of the Heart. Out of the Heart. Here in America, we talk a lot about hearts, don't we? Valentine's Day comes around and we have hearts everywhere. You get yourself a sweetheart and you put hearts on everything. Girls love to sign the end of their names with little hearts. They dot their eyes with hearts. Hearts mean everything in America. Except for what they really mean. Go like that. What is a heart? What's a heart about? And what's heart supposed to do? Well, as you know, heart pumps the blood. <laughs> There's not a lot of romantic thoughts inside of that. You ever heard the story about the little girl who went in for heart surgery? She was four and a half years old. She went into a pediatrician surgeon and he said, Young lady, I've got to cut into your chest and I'm going to cut into your heart and I'm going to fix one of your valves and release it. I'm going to sew it up and it's going to heal together. You know what I'm going to find there? And the little girl looked up at him and said, Doctor, you're going to find Jesus. He said, No. No. I'm going to find that there's a tear in your ventricle and I'm going to fix that. She said, Oh, no. I'm going to. You're going to find Jesus. Jesus is in my heart. I know if I don't wake up in the surgery, I'm going to heaven. The doctor tried to tie her again and said, Oh, young lady, one of these days you'll grow up and you'll learn what science is and what science can do. She said, One of these days you'll be saved and you'll know what faith can do. But she went into surgery. Church, this is a true story. She went into surgery. Well, she recovered well. She had a praying mom and dad. Amen. How many of you know the power of a praying mom is amazing? Some of you have children this morning that are not with Jesus. And you've been praying for them for years. I want you to know from the bottom of my heart, do not stop praying for that child. Do not give up on him. You keep going after him. You keep sharing Jesus with him. You keep hoping. You keep praying. And you don't give up on that hard-hearted kid because if Jesus can break a hard heart in anybody. So when the young girl woke up in recovery, she expected to see her mom and dad there and she saw the doctor. And he was crying. And she said, well, doc, what did you find? He said, I found Jesus. Out of the mouth of babes comes perfect praise. Turn with me to Acts chapter 4 and verse 13. 
Bible says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived, oh I love that particular word, perceived, perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. They perceived that they were uneducated, they were untrained, but they had been with Jesus. Sounds like a Baptist church, isn't it? They have been with Jesus. What made these people say that? Let me give you a little background quickly of what's happening here. So Peter and John had went into the temple, and at the beautiful gate, they had found a guy that had been lame from birth. And church, he asked for silver and gold. And you know the story. They said, silver and gold have I not. But what I do have, I give to you freely in the name of Jesus. Rise and walk. And old boy got up and began leaping. Amen. He went all the way from court to court praising God and caused quite a stir. And you can't do that in the church nowadays, can you? They were jumping everywhere. You better not jump in the Baptist church, I'm telling you. He was jumping, he was praising God, and you know what? The Sadducees who ruled the temple at that time, in fact, every high priest had been a Sadducee. What is a Sadducee? Well, they're a little bit different. We often hear about Pharisees in the Bible. Pharisees are ones who were zealous. They were righteous. They kept the law. Sadducees believed that only God could work in the temple area or in the synagogue or somewhere in a religious setting. Pharisees believed God could work anywhere. Sadducees didn't believe in angels or even the resurrection. What a bunch of sad people. Amen. Amen. That's why the name was Sadducee, right? So, they were rulers of the temple. Every high priest, every Kohen Haggadol, that's how you say high priest in Hebrew, every Kohen Haggadol had been a high priest, and this one was no exception. They brought the Pharisees, uh, excuse me, the Sadducees down, the ruling council, and they arrested Peter and John, and brought them before them, and they questioned them, and this is what they said. Now, they're talking to each other, and they said, these guys have been trained by us. They're not trained by Gamaliel. They're not trained by any other famous rabbi." Certainly not Pharisees because they got dirty hands. They're certainly not Sadducees because they're not dressed in religious robes. What are they? Are they untrained? They're uneducated. But we can tell they've been with Jesus. What made those Sadducees say that? What made those Sadducees think that? What did Peter and John do to make them? That. What did Peter and John say to make those Sadducees believe that? How could the Sadducees recognize that these two had been with Jesus? And you might be saying, well, it was history, Pastor. Perhaps they knew. Perhaps they knew. I've got a nice picture I'd like for you to take a look at right there. Of James and, excuse me, of Peter and John standing in front of the high priest right there. That's not exactly how it was looked in those days. That's a pretty good replica right there. What's the difference is? There's no air conditioner there. Go look at it. How many of you know Sadducees weren't going into church unless they had an air conditioner? You know what? Pharisees will go without an air conditioner, but they ain't going without food. Here is Peter and John standing in front of the Cohen Hagadol, and he's talking to them. The whole council is around them. This is the ruling council of the temple. And they are commanding Peter and John, you will not teach in this name anymore. You will not perform miracles in this name anymore. And you know the famous answer they give 
Should we please men or should we please God? What may those Sadducees know to attend this teaching? Let's begin this morning with a real quick look at Jesus. Perhaps there's something in what Jesus did or what Jesus said or how Jesus behaved that we can emulate in our lives, that we can put forth in our lives so that when people get us, they can take a look at us and say, that guy's been with Jesus. Let's begin this morning with a quick look at Jesus. Keeping your fingers in the book of Acts, Turn with me to John chapter 7. Let's just look at two verses. Verses 45 and 46. The Bible says, Then the officers came to the chief priests and Pharisees and said to them, Why have you not brought him? Now remember at this time, Jesus is preaching freely in the countryside. And as he's out preaching, they started to come to arrest him. They sent the officers out. They sent some people out to, to grab him. And they come back he handed, and they asked this question, why have you not brought him? And listen to what they say to the Pharisees. This would be the Sanhedrin sent them out here. Verse 46, the officers answered, no man ever spoke like this man. Nobody ever spoke like Jesus. We got there, and let me tell you something. Uh, head of the Sanhedrin. Let me tell you something, Mr. Chief Priest. Let me tell you something, Mr. Religiosity. I've never heard somebody speak like that. Could you imagine what those soldiers said? They gathered there. They had their spears. They had their handcuffs. They had their leg irons. They had their clubs. They had bags. They had belts. They had everything they could possibly need to apprehend Jesus. They got there, and they listened to what Jesus had to say, and they were awestruck. Silence. They listened to what Jesus had to say. Then they turned around, the Bible says, and they went back. And the chief priest said, why didn't you arrest him? And their excuse is, we never heard anybody speak like that before. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, they've never been to a Baptist church. Amen? They've never been to Robertson Avenue before. People tell me all the time, Pastor, why are you so loud? And the truth is, because I love being loud. No, the real truth is, because it's in the Bible. We're supposed to be loud. How many of you know the Ten Commandments? Amen? You can say them. I preach about them all the time. I talk about God's law all the time. So therefore, you should know that the Eleventh Commandment, Thou shalt not shout, does not exist. Never, never a man spake like this man. They said, His voice, His passion, His control of the crowd, His understanding. Never did a man speak like that. Those, those soldiers were completely and what Jesus said. Could you imagine that for just a minute? I would love to have an entire church focused on what I was saying and what I was doing. That's right. I'm preaching to you. Some of you are just still looking up at your phone. Are you talking to me? Yep. Turn that thing off right now. The soldiers were completely caught up in what Jesus said. So much they forgot to arrest him. They were listening to what Jesus said and they got caught up in the message to the point where their hearts, their lives, their spirits were changing. They went back home and they said, never a man spake like that man. So let's just break that down for just a second. Look at his voice. His voice. What was so special about his voice? Well, how many of you know, without me even going into theology, that Jesus and the Father are one? Amen? But what the Father said, Jesus said. What Jesus said, the Father said. You imagine what it would have been like to walk upon Jesus with the intent to arrest him and to hear the voice that said, 
let there be light. Could you imagine to hear that voice that said, let there be light. Could you hear that voice that said, let the trees come forth and bring forth fruit after its own time. Could you imagine hearing that voice and they were caught up in it till they were mystified. They were caught in a spell, if you will, looking at him, recognizing the voice of the one who created them. The one who spoke creation into existence. Incidentally, do you know his voice this morning? You ever heard that voice before? John chapter 10, verses 27 to 28 tells us, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. If you don't know his voice, you're in trouble this morning. If you're not caught up in his voice, if you haven't heard that voice saying, Peace! Be still. If you haven't heard that voice say, My child, come to me. You haven't heard that voice that says, I love you and I want you to be with me forever. You're in trouble. Because his sheep hear his voice. The Bible says Jesus knows them and they follow me. Can I ask you another question? Are you following Jesus this morning? You say, Well, I heard the voice, but I ain't following. And you know what that makes you? That makes you a hypocrite. Bible says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Have you heard his voice this morning? Could you imagine that voice? That voice that looked down into the wedding at Cana, into the water, and said, Become wine. Could you imagine what that water was thinking? I know that's a strange thought right there. And we shouldn't even be talking about wine in the Baptist church, but like However, he looked down into the water, and the water looked up into the face of its creator, of its master, and it just blocked. Look into the one who made it and said, Lord, I'm yours. Command me. I will do even that which is impossible. And I think the church needs to learn a lesson from a good old inanimate object called water. If it will blush for Jesus, then we should move when he says, go and preach the gospel. Turn the water into wine. Could you imagine? That's the same voice that walked out on the sea and said, peace. Be still to the storm. That voice. That voice. Perhaps you don't know that voice, but perhaps you're hearing it right now. Psalm 95, verse 7 says, For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, and the sheep of His hand. Today, if you will hear His voice. They had recognized that these men had been with Jesus. Perhaps they could hear the voice of Jesus in their reasoning. Perhaps they could hear the voice of Jesus and what they were saying, what they were doing, or how they were behaving. Perhaps the Sadducees heard Jesus' voice speaking to them. I believe the church needs to be confronted with the age-old question. Do you hear His voice? You need to be confronted with that question right now. Do you hear His voice? I can't tell you how many people come to me and say, Pastor, I can't hear God's voice. And I'm asking them, are you listening? Because God is talking everywhere. He is 
speaking right now. He has a job for this church. He has a job for the church nationwide. He has a job for the church worldwide. He has a mission for us. He has a reason for us to exist. He has a reason for His Holy Spirit to be poured out on Robertson Avenue. He is speaking, church. And we need to be confronted with the age-old question, do you hear His voice? And of course, if you do, why don't you obey Jesus said in John 14, 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love him, then you'll do what he says. I have an interesting picture I want to go over Kind of off topic in our sermon this morning. That's a boat that's sinking. Yes, that's a carnival cruise. I know some of y'all have been like, I ain't going there again. <laughs> Nothing like that. But I want to use this picture as an illustration. On this boat, people fell in love with that captain. The first mate, the crewman, the engineer in chief, all of them fell in love with their captain. One day, they were coming upon this wreck here. You might think I was talking about the big boat. I'm talking about the little boats right up front of it. They were coming upon that wreck. The captain hollered out, Man the lifeboats! Get them out in the water! There's a ship going down and there's people drowning. And all the people on those little boats said, Did you hear the voice of the captain? Oh, we love our captain. We esteem our captain. But they don't do what he said. What would you think of that crew? And we got a picture of the modern day church. He hears what God says, but don't do what he says. It's like a crew that says, Oh, we heard our captain. We love our captain. But we aren't doing what he what has he told us to do? You heard his voice? What has he told you to do? He has told you to share the gospel with everybody you meet. He told you to go there for and make disciples of every Christian. He told you to preach the gospel to every living thing. He told you that there's a dying world and that he's coming back soon. He told us these things will be happening. And we're acting like we're getting caught by surprise. Let's continue with our look at Jesus. Let's take a look at that. That's what the voice they recognize. The Bible says, perceive means to understand, to see, to come to a realization by looking, by analyzing. They perceived that those men had been with Jesus. Perhaps they heard the voice. Let's continue with a look at Jesus. Matthew 7, verses 28 29. The Bible says, and so it was, when Jesus had ended his sayings, that the people were astonished at his teaching. Look at verse 29, for he taught them as one having and not with the scribes. Did you catch that? He taught them as one having authority. In other words, he wasn't Charlie Brown's teacher behind the pulpit going, wah, 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 wah. He was speaking with authority. He was teaching as though he's the one who wrote those very laws. He understood them. He knew how to put them to work. He knew how to apply them in life, and he knew the blessings you would get if you would just obey them. He taught them as one having authority. And James, excuse me, and Peter and John began to understood that, and there was no doubt in their mind. If we will stay faithful, if we will stay true, if we will stay on God's course of action, it doesn't matter what this world does. We're in for a blessing beyond doubt. The Bible tells us Jesus taught with authority. 
He taught with authority. What exactly does that mean? He taught with passion. Amen? He taught with compassion. Amen? He taught with conviction. What does that mean, to teach with passion? I think the church today needs a lesson on how to teach again. We've forgotten how to teach. We've forgotten who should teach. We've forgotten what they're teaching. And we are trying to explain away the Bible that we're supposed to teach. The church today needs a lesson on how to teach. Jesus taught with passion, with compassion, and with conviction. And the instructions are right in our Bible. The problem is that many churches are excluding the Bible from being the authority on who teaches, how they teach, and what they teach. How many of you know there's pastors today that are getting on stage preaching a wonderful sermon to find out they plagiarized? I'm not just talking about copying somebody else's sermon for illustration points. They're copying the sermon word for word. They're getting online and using Wikipedia to lead the church. God, help us in the name of Jesus Christ to get back into His Word, to get back with His people, to get plugged back into the Spirit, to get back into doing God's will. The church needs a lesson on how to teach, and we're following people who are letting Google lead us. Google doesn't know God. Google doesn't know the difference between a man and a woman. Somebody say amen. The church needs a lesson on how to lead, how to teach, how to be spirit-filled people. And the instructions are right here, church. The problem is, is that many churches are excluding that Bible. They're throwing it away. They're explaining it away. They're saying, well, that doesn't pertain to us anymore. That's ancient. That's old. Hello. That's the book that will be opened on Judgment Day. Amen. Amen. The problem is many churches are excluding that Bible and the authority of it. They took a look at John and Peter and they perceived they had been with Jesus. Why? Because everything out of their mouth was Bible. Amen. Everything that came out was right out of the Bible. Everything they lived, everything they spoke, everything they taught was biblical. They told Dr. Phil, take a hike. They told Oprah Winfrey, get on out of here. They told politics, you don't belong here. You're supposed to listen to the church, not the other way around. And they said, we're going back to God's Word, back to the Bible. B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. Amen. We need a lesson on how to teach again. We need to learn how to teach with passion again. We're no longer passionate. We have people who come to churches today and say, I don't want to go there because their preacher's too passionate. He takes his Christianity too seriously. Somebody actually told me that once. I'll say, I do not think I'll get judged for that on Judgment Day. I don't think Jesus is going to say, you took me too serious. He's going to get to you and say, you didn't take me serious enough. We need to preach and to teach with passion, because Christ did. How did he preach passionately? How did he teach passionately? Let me give you an example. You might know it in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, that is full of passion. It's my Father in heaven. I know you. You know me. It's ours because there's only one God, and all those other phony baloney religions are trashed. He preached with passion. Church, he preached with compassion. 
For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should never perish but have everlasting life. That's compassionate on those that nobody wants to love. And He preached with conviction. He said things like, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign. He said, you will compass land and sea seeking one proselyte. And when you make him, you make him twofold the son of hell as you are. He preached with conviction. He said, you brood of snakes. He believed what he said. He lived what he said. Those soldiers came back and said, never a man spake like that man. Those people came back and said, never has somebody taught like that before. And the Sadducees knew that Peter and John had been with Jesus. Why? Never a man spake like Jesus did. They saw that in Peter and John. It must have been scary for them. That guy hasn't been to my seminary yet. He's out preaching me. That guy has not been to my Bible school yet. He understands more about the Bible than I do. Never a man taught like Jesus did. He taught having authority. Well, yeah, he had authority. He wrote it. Yet the Sadducees could tell that Peter and John had been with Jesus. Was it in what they said, perhaps? Or perhaps what they did? Let's look at a biblical truth this morning. In fact, it's the whole reason for our sermon this morning. All of that is just introduction, isn't it? Luke chapter 6, verse 45. The Bible says, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart. You know, I got tickled when I went through the song this morning and we started singing songs like, Change my heart, oh God. I thought, Hallelujah! Somebody's been praying, amen. Change my heart, oh God. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. And listen to how Jesus finishes his statement. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Oh, I'm sorry, his mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. What does that mean? Christian, you've been sitting around lately and you think, how come that curse word's coming out? Well, the Bible told you there's something in your heart and it's coming out of your mouth. Out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. Therefore, what comes out of your mouth is what is in your heart. What comes out of your mouth today? Be surprised how many Christians are privy to elusive jokes, are privy to curse words and things that Christians should not be around. I want you to know that Jesus knows what's in our hearts. Look with me at John chapter 2, verses 24 to 25. The Bible says, But Jesus did not commit himself to them. These were a bunch of people who were saying, Praise God, the Messiah is here. And you know what? Jesus stepped back. This was after the wedding at Cana, where he turned the water into wine. And they're saying, Praise God, the Messiah is here. The Bible says Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men. Verse 25, he had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. What's in man? Genesis chapter 6 tells us what's in man. The imagination of man's heart is only evil from his youth. 
Jesus knew what was inside of us. He knows what's inside of you. He knows what's inside of me. He knows that. And He doesn't need anyone to testify of man, but the Bible tells us He knew what was inside a man. So let's look at a biblical truth this morning. You are what you eat. Can I get an amen on that? Say, Pastor, you're, you're a Big Mac. No, Betsy doesn't take me to McDonald's. Where does Betsy take me? Not to Taco Bell either. We we always we always want to beat the Methodist to Taco Bell, but Betsy doesn't take me there either. Where does Betsy take me? Whataburger. Hallelujah. Betsy takes. Amen. If we're gonna go somewhere, we're gonna go somewhere to Texan. Amen. Praise God, one Texan, Texan or nothing. Right? I want to go to Taco Bell. So that stuff's made in New York City. No. No. You are what you eat. Have you ever heard that old saying? You are what you eat. Psalm A1 thick and hearty. You know, let me just say this. Thin may be in, but fat is where it's at. Go like this. All right. So check out this picture we have up in here. We've got these two children up here. And you are what you eat. We've got this unhealthy choice kid right there. And he looks more like my molecular makeup, but I'll leave that right there. And then we have the healthy choice kid. And I'm thinking I would rather have French fry hair than broccoli hair any day. But that's what they consider healthy right there. And so he's got a watermelon for a pelvis and a cucumber for a tummy. And I'm thinking I would rather have ice cream and donut knees any day than artichokes. Now, if you cook artichoke right, it's good, but you know, the only way to cook it right is put it in tons of oil. Go like this. I ain't eating that thing raw. But you are what you eat. How many of you know that applies spiritually to us? That applies what you feed your spirit. And your spirit, church, is just as starving as the rest of us. What are you feeding your soul? What you feed on is what you are. It will come up out of your mouth. And that's why those things come up out of your mouth. That's why those thoughts appear in your mind when you're driving down the road and you get mad at the person who cuts you off or mad at the person who's driving too slow or mad at the person who turns like they're going to hurt their car if they turn the steering wheel too much. I'm not kidding y'all. I worked for many agencies in my lifetime and anytime the agency got a new truck and we had the boss in there, the boss would actually get mad at somebody for turning too hard. I was like, is that possible? Don't turn it too hard. You'll hurt the wheel. <laughs> Whatever. However, people get angry for no reason. They get angry for little things, you know. So I ran into a man the other day, and he was describing to me his relationship with his wife. He said, so I was watching another couple, and he got out and opened the door for her. So I went over and asked the man whom I knew, but I didn't know the woman. I said, is it a new wife or is it a new car? What are you feeding your soul, church? What you feed on is what you are. That's a biblical truth. You can start putting things into your spirit that doesn't belong there. And you know what? Eventually it's going to start coming out of your mouth. You're going to start speaking like the people you hang around. You're going to start acting like the movies you watch. You're going to start thinking like the books you read. Somebody say amen here. That's not what Christians do. We think that Christians come with an oil filter and we can go over to Quick Loop and have all that stuff drained out. Wrong. You've got to go through a lengthy process of being renewed, of being remade, of being transformed. And it takes a 
guts and then it will change, y'all. You've got to be careful what you put inside your engine, if you will. What you're feeding your soul is what you are. It will come up out of your mouth. It will become that which you treasure. Fast, you'll begin to crave that which you feed. Now, let me give you an example. About two or three years ago, I lost a lot of weight. Praise God. I found it again, but I lost it. And during that time frame of almost a year, I ate a lot of salad. And I got to where a Twinkie, I know this is blasphemous, I know, but a Twinkie would like bother me. I didn't want that Twinkie. But you put a salad in front of me, I was hungry. I don't know, I don't know what happened. I don't know. I was out of my mind for a minute. <laughs> but it's true. You put the salad in front of me and I would begin to be hungry. That's what I wanted. I began to crave what I fed on. And if we were to apply that spiritually, your spirit would begin to crave that which you feed on. Your body would begin to say, that doesn't entertain me. Church is boring. I want to go back to Arnold Schwarzenegger and those movies. I want to go back to those other kind of movies. I want to go back to the things on my telephone because your spirit will crave it because that's what you've been feeding it. And someone will put a bowl of salad in front of you and you'll say, I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want to feed on that. Let me tell you, you've got to start feeding your soul somewhere. You'll begin to crave that which you feed on. Look with me in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21. The Bible says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And look at verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What do you treasure? What are you treasuring? Those Sadducees took a good look at Peter and John, and the Bible says they perceived that they had been with Jesus. Why? I think we can answer the question now this morning. Was it in their voice? Was it in what they did? Was it in what they said? Was it in how they taught? No, 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 no. They could look into the eyes of Peter. They could look into the eyes of John and say they treasure Jesus Christ. You know something? Wherever your treasure is, then your heart will be also. Where's your treasure this morning? Some of you looking at watching right now and say, when's he done? He's talking to me. Yes, I am. And I need you to come this morning to get your heart right with Jesus Christ. And how do you do that? You said, Pastor, it's a long process. It is. And it can be painful sometimes. It can be painful when your spirit cries out and says, I want that Twinkie. How many of you have been on a diet before? Well, I You say, Pastor, you want a Twinkie right now? Uh, yeah. Am I going to eat it? No. Why? Because that's you get You can tell I'm on my diet, right? I'm doing a lot of preaching on diets here later. I'll tell you, where your heart is, there is treasure of me. What am I treasuring? A T-bone steak. Praise God, boy. Texas, Texas, Texas. Amen. But you might need a new heart this morning. A new heart. How do you get that? I want you to look at me in the prophet Ezekiel. I love the prophet Ezekiel. We used to call him in seminary the weirdo of the Bible. Why? Because strange things will happen to you. 
Ezekiel ended up marrying a woman he loved dearly, and then she ended up dying. The church, God actually commands him, don't grieve for your wife. How hard would that be? I love my wife, and I can't imagine what it would be like. And so God said, don't you say it. Don't do it. God would take him by the hair of his head Interesting problem. Some of you say, i got to read that. I want you to read it. Change your heart, you will. Look with me in Ezekiel 36, verses 25 and 27. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and ye shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you, listen to this right here, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and ye will keep my judgments and do them. Is that that heart of stone? You've been feeding on things that that you shouldn't be feeding on. And perhaps you say, I don't know Jesus, and my heart doesn't treasure the things of God, so I want to come in again. I want you to look at this last slide. I'll give you a new heart, says the Bible. I'll put a new spirit in you. I will take that stony heart, that heart of stone that refuses to love, that refuses to feel, that refuses to repent, that refuses to admit wrong, that refuses to say, I need to change. I can take that out of you, and I'll give you a fleshy heart. And that fleshy heart will beat and beat and beat with the love of God. It will beat for a humanity that's lost in its sin. It will beat for Coppers Cove who needs Jesus Christ. It will beat for our neighborhoods. It will beat for our children. It will beat for our grandchildren. It will beat for our moms and dads and brothers and sisters. We will start loving again. But you've got to come to Jesus. You've got to come to Jesus. You know, I can't help but think about what it would be like have no feeling It's the Last Supper. I didn't include this in our slide, but the Last Supper, I want you to hear a true story from the Bible. The Last Supper, the Bible says, the disciples whom Jesus loved laid his head on Jesus' breast. And he looked up in Jesus' face and he whispered, who's the one that would betray him? And the story, and that's when Jesus institutes one I who is sitting in the top of the Of course, all the disciples are going to ask him, Is it I, Lord? Is it I, Lord? Is it I, Lord? And we don't want to get into that too much today, but that's a sermon all its own. But I do want to bring you back to John, the disciple who Jesus loved. The disciples were just talking about him. Peter and John. They perceived they had been with Jesus. He had laid his head on Jesus' breast. Can you imagine what that would have been like? Church is here. That heart beating. What it would have been like to hear the heartbeat of God. What it would have been like to hear and to feel His heart beating in your ear. And every beat, that heart says, I love you, John. I have a job for you, John. I have a mission for you, John. I'm not done with you, John. I can forgive you, John. I can save you, John. I can put a new heart in you, John. I can give a new spirit for you, John. Would you be willing to put your hand on Jesus' breath?
would be willing to listen to Him right now. Perhaps you are a Christian and you've lost touch with that voice of God. You know how you get it back? Come and put your ear on His heartbeat right now. And listen to that heartbeat. Beat saying, I love the lost. You need to preach to the lost. I love the lost. Invite the lost. I love the lost. They are my mission. I have come to seek and to save that which is lost. If you hear the heartbeat of God this morning, I'm going to have a word of prayer. If He has spoken to you this morning about your relationship, would you come? Or perhaps you need to come to know Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior. Would you come this morning? Perhaps God is calling you to be a part of Robinson Avenue. Would you come and share that decision with whatever it may be? Let's pray together. Father, I come to you now in Jesus' name, and I pray right now that those that have heard your word this morning, that they need a new heart, that today would be the day, Lord, they come and lay their ear upon your breast, and they hear the heartbeat of God, and they understand that it beats for a lost and dying humanity. And I pray, Father God, that they would feel your love, and I pray, Lord, they'd be filled with your compassion, with your passion, and with your conviction. I also pray, Lord, that there be any this morning that need to get saved, that you let saved you today. They come and put you in their heart, and they watch that stony heart get transformed to a fresh one. I pray, Lord, if there be any that need to be a part of our family, that saved you today, they hear your voice and surrender to your will. And we bless you and praise you and give you all the glory in Jesus' holy name. You come with your sins. Savior is waiting. Come on.
God bless you. I hope you've enjoyed your time of worship here with us at Robert Stanley Baptist Church. Don't forget, day at 4 o'clock, I see social, 430 choir practice. Don't forget, 6 o'clock evening worship service. And don't forget, Wednesday night at 630. If you're part of the Experiencing God group, that's going to be uh, tomorrow night at 6 o'clock in the fellowship hall. There's lots going on at Robert Stanley. You need to come and be a part of that. Get plugged in and be a part of what God is doing here. And you can watch your stony heart get changed into something fleshy. Amen. All right. With that being said, let's close in a word of prayer. Uh, Chris. Right. <laughs> Amen. Oh, amen. There might be any other announcements, questions, or comments. Prayer requests. I mean, come on. Amen. Without well, then, let's close in that word of prayer. And I'm going to ask for the Matt Brooks to be closed to the prayer. Can I close?